0: You know, I was reminded when we were talking about that uh, just a little bit ago, how that the disciples—you remember Peter—and they were they were all in that boat all night fishing, and they were experts, right? That was their chosen profession. Very skilled. They've probably been doing it since they were five, six years old. Knew the ins and outs of where to fish, what to use, the seasons. And they came in, and you remember what Peter said, Jesus says, take your boat on back out. And Peter says, we've been fishing all night long and didn't catch anything. Let's see, right there you have an opportunity for your intellect, for what you know, for all of the years, anybody, ever? let's say pride, say pride, yeah pride, <laughs> let's all say Pride. See pride, intellect, experience, everything you think you know. And then Jesus says, "Why don't you go take your boat out?" He says, "That must be a devil." <laughs> you know. Anybody ever had God come talk to you and it's been so strange that you didn't even recognize it as God? Because do you know Jesus doesn't come talk to you like you, do, you don't get to see him. The way His leadership comes is not from without, it's from within. Sometimes the things that you hear from within are not the things you expect. Because it's not your leadership. It's not your wisdom. It's his wisdom. Everybody say amen to that. See, and so Paul says, um, he says, uh, we're called to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And why do we need to do that? Well, he finishes out his statement. He says that you might prove, everybody say prove, What is the perfect will of God? And see, Jesus said it this way. He says, pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just gonna hit this religious devil as I go by. This is not what the the, the message is about today, but you know, there is this overarching idea in Christianity and, and there's a lot of, people that live this way they don't necessarily if you were to call them out on it they might say no but they live this way they believe that whatever will be will be and they believe that you know if god wills it it's just going to happen whether or not they have anything to do with it or not do you know if you don't be obedient to what god has called you to do that part does not happen the people that you don't witness to don't God's going to have to reroute somebody else if they're going to get witnessed to. I mean, why would Jesus give us a command pray? Why do we need to pray if God's will is just going to happen? There is a cooperation. Let's all say cooperation. cooperation. I'm getting you in repeat mode because when Nathan comes, Nathan likes to have everybody repeat everything they say. <laughs> Same. Cooperation is you working together with God. And see, that's last week we, um, we talked about how that there is a mind of Christ and we are the body of Christ. Everybody remember that? That was here last week. And where the devil camps in the body, if he could camp one place, where he camps is right here at the base of the neck. Because <laughs> what he does is he separates, he separates the mind, the will, the understanding, the revelation of the word... He comes to steal the word, does he not? And see, there's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) And why he does it, he doesn't just come and try and steal this Bible. He doesn't just sow seeds of confusion about what this says. See, the word is more than just a dead thing on your desk. There is the written word. And then there is the living word. See, there is the logos, God has said. And then there is the living word God is saying right now. Now God does not change, contrary to some denominations that would like to say God has altered things he says. He doesn't alter anything he says. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what that means is that when I look in the book of Acts, or if I look in the New Testament period, and I see that God... Well, why do I limit it? When you look at, you pretty much just pick any book you want. <laughs> this is the testimony of God on the earth, all right? You pick any book you want. He is a miraculous power, love machine everywhere he goes, no matter who he cooperates with. He doesn't lose. He doesn't know how. Losing is not in his vocabulary. Losing is not his mind. Uh I, I'm okay with lose. Uh, how do I put that, Father? Do you know it's, it's okay to make mistakes and learn from your mistakes? Okay, that's, that's, a, that's the way you make mistakes and you learn from them, okay? But do you know God never has defeat? Like true, honest to goodness, put your face in the dirt defeat planned for you. Do you know he doesn't plan that for you? And you look at, at the accounts of the Israelites. Do you know he always intended them to have victory against whatever ite it was that they were fighting? It was victory in mind. And whenever they didn't have victory, it was because they disobeyed something that he said for them to do. Or they couldn't do what he told them to do. They were disobedient. But victory was always God's will. Everybody say God's will. It's victory. And see, he has victory in mind for you. And there is no such thing as God planning permanent defeat for your life to get you to learn something. In the Old Testament and in in times past, one of the ways that God had to teach people was from the outside in. That was the way he taught, all right? My children have to be taught from the outside in. And for everybody... (laughs) See, in the Old Testament, it was blessing and cursing. If you obey me, you get blessed. If you don't obey me, you get cursed, all right? If, if my children obey me, I give them a cookie, you know? Now, they get cookies regardless sometimes, you know? <laughs> I love them unconditionally, but that doesn't mean... Do you know, love, and I, l- there's more than one kind of way to please your father. And we sometimes use God's unconditional love as a hiding place for why we don't have to do anything. There's one, it's fine that God unconditionally loves the whole world, but there is an element of God's love that the whole world will never experience because they don't please him. And we as Christians operate in degrees of the love and the will of God. God has maxed out his love for you the kind of love that is unconditional love for you at the cross. At the cross, he paid the price for every single person that receives him or doesn't receive him, experiences or doesn't experience his love through the cross. But there is a kind of love that you can have with your father. See, we only have one word for love in this country or in the English language, and it's kind of difficult to to break it down there is a real element of your relationship with God that is that is love that you get to experience with him and he gets to experience with you because there's cooperation happening. There's fellowship happening. And if you don't ever step into that, you never experience it. And, and I would dare say God isn't pleased like he could be. Everybody with me? Because God loves you. And see, there's times where I am there's seasons with my children where I, I've always loved them as much as I can, you know, as, as much as I can in my own way. I love them. But then there are seasons where they're growing through, you know, there's a reason why they call them the terrible twos, right? <laughs> now, we don't confess that over our children, but somehow they still spring up a little bit because <laughs> they got their own mind and they figure out things. And, and there's seasons where they test their own abilities, they test their own will. I'm a little more grieved. I have a little less fellowship with that. Everybody with me? And see, God has got that same thing with you. He loves you unconditionally, but there is a love that you experience with him that is relational. Everybody say relational. Relational. Um. Okay. In the Old Testament, there was no inside it was only outside in See, and with my kids where they're at right now there's there are some and as my kids get older Josh I love to be able to relate inside to inside with my son but a lot of times to get them to do the right thing stop hitting your brother don't steal that toy be nice they don't on their own be nice anybody else find that out (laughs) they're not it's not in that nature necessarily to be nice all the time it's not in their nature to share all the time marshall i love marshall we're celebrating his birthday a little bit early today he has uh roughly 160 cars i think (laughs) he has just just big barrels he'll dump them all out on our floor and he'll line them all up he's got all of them all of them right here, you know, and he makes such a big uh, line of them, it covers the house, and you can't hardly step around, but Caitlin, you know, poor little Caitlin, she's just trying to get around, and she kicks one of them, she goes, and all of a sudden, you'll hear from the other room, Marshall go, Caitlin, <laughs> don't touch my, don't touch my car, or Caitlin now, she gets that it upsets him, and so she'll go, and she'll come over here, and she'll grab just the tiniest little one, and she'll run off with it, just to get him to get upset, you know, well, he can't suffer the loss of one of those cars. And we didn't give them all to him. He just loves them with a, a passion. Uh, this is any five, you know, a five-year-old boy only knows. He just loves every one of them. And we're like, Marshall, you've got 160. Let's just let one of them go. You know, let's share. It doesn't come natural. And see, why we needed to be born again is when you receive Christ. It says in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. See, what's fruit? Fruit is what's produced naturally. Am I right? You you plant a seed, you plant an apple tree, seed, it grows up. There's gonna be apples by nature, by natural. It's just gonna happen. It's the fruit of that seed. It just that's the way a seed works. Well, see, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a seed, and it's planted on the inside of you. When you receive Christ, it's growing up on the inside of you, and it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. See, these are the fruits. These are the attributes. This is your spiritual genetic makeup that's on the inside of you, and these are the things that we're supposed to be handing out to people that don't have, you know, their nature. This is why Jesus says, you know, when somebody comes and steals from you, you give them something else. Why? It's not just, no, it's not just, but your love. And he promises, we usually use it for church offerings, but that's not what he's talking about. He says, if you'll extend love to people like that, I'll I'll cause other men to bless you and give back and restore to you t- a hundredfold everything that they've stolen. Why, because you're extending love to people that are stealing from you. You're showing, you're showing God to them. And God, he's like, look, this guy is extending love when he's getting kicked. This guy is extending peace and joy when he's getting stolen from. This is a guy I wanna give more to. That's what he's saying there. Bust down, shaking together, running over, I'll cause men to give back to you. That's what it's talking about. And see, when we got born again, the fruit of the Spirit, they are part of who you are. Well, sometimes they don't feel like it. Well, hello, flesh. <laughs> Everybody's got a flesh. Everybody remembers who they used to be. See, that's why Paul commands. Everybody say commands. Paul commands us, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Let's go to, uh, I believe it's Colossians. I say believe because I don't know. (laughs) I believe it's Colossians. Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, verse one. we are all risen with Christ we've been born again and he says if you then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affections on things above not on things of the earth now he was almost talking to you like you got control of that (laughs) do you have control of that? you do you have control on what you set your affections on. Where, how do you set your affections? Where you place your time. Who you hang out with. What do you let in? What do you meditate on? Okay, Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. It's important here, if, if we can just kind of zoom out and see this from God's perspective, because when we get born, we get born into this life, and this life is not as exactly as God had planned it. Do you know he intended for us to be spiritually alive, children of the living God walking around in a physical world? That's what he intended, and that's what he created. And in the end, it doesn't say we're all going to end up being spirits floating around in heaven. It says there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, right? He's going to do away with this one. He's going to create a new one, and he's he is going to have what he originally intended. That is his, he's going to, he always wins, <laughs> amen? <laughs> See, so there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and... The way god sees this is that he sees you right now in this tiny little period of time whatever time you have on this uh, in this life whatever short period of time he says and paul is writing not from man's perspective he's writing from god's he's saying you're dead in the sense that don't look at this life as the life You have to reckon that if the life that you used to have before you were born again, if you died once on the inside, in other words, that spiritual death no longer reigns over you and you are crucified together with Christ, that was that first death that you have been redeemed from. Praise God. But there's also the other death, there's this death of the physical man. And he says, you have to reckon yourselves. If you believe that you have spiritually already died with Christ and are raised together with him already, why don't you also reckon that the physical man and this physical life is already dead and set your affections on things above? He says, what, what a, let, me, let me ad-lib, okay? What a waste it would be What a waste it would be to take that 60, 70, 80 years of being a regenerated, living person before God, your Father, but then set your affections for that short little period of time on things that you're not alive to anymore. He says you're dead to these things. Everybody with me? Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead. Now, what's he talking about? You're you're reckoning yourself already. Judge yourself as dead. This thing doesn't get younger we're not benjamin buttons here okay this thing isn't going to get better the world keeps trying to find ways of making this thing live longer it's not going to work all right you you have a set period of time and everything goes the same way dust to dust flesh to flesh it's going to end all right and if you live with that perspective this is part of the message I always preach at funerals. Whenever you go to a funeral, it's, you, know, you don't think of a funeral as a joyous occasion. But do you know funerals are one of the best reality checks that you can have as an individual? To sit there and look at that and realize, and that's what Solomon, if you read in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote about going to funerals. And he says it's better to be in the house of mourning than it is to be in the house of feasting. Because the living will take it to heart. And so I always, unless God tells me otherwise, I always mention that verse whenever I'm in a funeral. Because every time you go to a funeral, you really get a check on what's really important. Where are you setting your affections? Where are your time going to? And everybody talks about how much more time I want to spend with family and friends. And they always talk about God, but then they go back and live like that didn't happen. They look in the mirror, but then they forget. See. Paul says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear, or ye also appear with him in glory. There's a second resurrection that you've been raised to newness of life on the inside. That's already happened. You just can't see it. But thank goodness this is going to get resurrected as well. Everybody ready for that too? look at verse 5 what okay so that's wonderful what is what do i do with that verse 5 mortify therefore mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth what, that word mortify that word mortify means to put to death or in a, and it's to mort it's mortuary mortician you know and Uh, They put all that embalming fluid. You might just still be there, but you don't have any expression. Well, what Paul's saying is here, yeah, we need to be here, but don't let your flesh have any expression in this life. Let God have the expression in this life. Amen. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Here's some fruit of people that don't mortify. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, God's been taking a hammer to covetousness in me, Amen. You can't have two gods, right? Sometimes that other God likes to hide in there, but uh, you can't, you can't, you can't serve God and money. Covetousness, which is idolatry, for which thing's sake the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. Notice how he phrases that, in them. But you don't live in them anymore, you live in Christ. But now you also put off. Everybody say put off. Put off all these. Now, he switches to just, you know, lust, and he switches to more soulish things. Look at this, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. See, it shouldn't be that that uh, you can edify people in church, but then they get to your home and you're like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> See, filthy things out of your mouth, all right? Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off, have put off the old man with his deeds. Everybody say lie not. See, what, well, you know, there's there's lying and then there's white lying, right? He doesn't make that distinction. He says, lie not. See, if somebody's asking you to come to dinner, you've had a long day, why do you come up with 10 excuses why you can't go? Why don't you just say, you know, I appreciate the offer, but I just don't want to go. And I've had, a, I've had a long day and I don't feel like it. Why do you have to come up with a reason? See, There's something, there is a fellowship that we're called to have as believers that we can walk in truth and honesty and openness. Everybody say amen to that. And we're not called to be mean, but we're not called to lie either. (laughs) Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man (laughs) with his deeds. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to tell too much. I'll just tell, I had a family member once, and I was driving with him, and uh, anybody ever do this? Everybody get really scared when a cop pulls you over? <laughs> well, Colby, this family member I was driving with, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He was a Christian. He loved the Lord. He, you know, he was a real good guy. But the cop pulled him over, and I knew he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And, uh, <laughs> you know, once that cop flew by, and, you know, going opposite ways, and this person didn't have their seatbelt on, he put put it on, you know, every now, I'm, this generation, most of us wear our seatbelts, but it seemed like there was an older generation back there. They didn't, Seat belts were more of a suggestion type of thing. Well, he quick put that on because he knew it was the law, and then he, you know, come back over here and says, he says, I saw you put your seatbelt on just as I passed, and didn't I just pass you an hour ago, and you did that same thing? And he goes, no, I've had it on. <laughs> wow. <Well, laughs> I would not have classified him as a liar, but <laughs> he was not walking in the truth at that moment. See, sometimes pressure, remember I say pressure. pressure. See, situations have a way of forcing out things that are not of God. And, and God, God works with you and he's gentle and he grows you up and he knows when to have you in the kiddie pool and he knows when to take you out. <laughs> See, the kiddie pool is for people that are still growing out, Of the flesh all right but you can't take things like that that can fold under pressure and put them in life and death situations Mm. anyway there is a process of transformation but now put off all these put off all these okay verse 9 lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds in verse 10 and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but all is Christ and in all. Put on, therefore, now look at this, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, you could have just well quoted the same thing in Galatians where he says, The fruit of the Spirit is. Because here it is. Put on. Everybody say put on. That sounds like something I got to do. All right. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. So also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. Okay, and a lot of times in King James, perfectness is another word for maturity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. Verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly everybody say richly okay now that's a special word for me because my name is richard <laughs> no let the word of christ that was a bad joke you guys shouldn't have laughed at that all right <laughs> uh, all right let the word of christ dwell in, you're not supposed to agree with that though <laughs> i gotcha no uh let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and father by him all right <laughs> see a lot of times if you read Paul's letters what he'll do is he will take the first half of the book and he'll talk about what they have been made to be in Christ see what you are created. You know, God created you a brand new creature. Brand new, from the inside. And then the latter half of the book, a lot of times what Paul will do, he says, okay, now that, all that, now that you know what you have been created, walk in what you have been created in. Do what you've been created to do, okay? I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. There's two ditches on either side of this truth. There's a group in the body of Christ that claims, well, I'm created in righteousness and true holiness. And no matter what my flesh does, I am loved by God, and I am a spirit, and I am his child. So God loves me so much, even if I don't keep that flesh in check, I can do whatever I want, I am still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a lie. That's from hell. And then there's another group in the church okay now this other group is gaining in popularity okay this other one is dwindling at the time but both of them are stealing okay there's another group in the church that still sees salvation see still sees the path to heaven as a way of being good a way of working towards it okay both of them are not true how can you do good if you're not created in righteousness and true holiness you must first be born again. And from that springs the good works. You were created unto good works. Let's go to Ephesians. <clears throat> chapter 2. This Ephesians is so good, I just kind of want to read the whole chapter, you know. <laughs> Uh, we'll start in verse 1. Okay, I can't, I can't help it. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you, everybody say me. Amen. Hath he quickened. Now, how did he quicken you? He didn't quicken you to newness of life on the outside. It's on the inside. Amen. Amen. You hath he quickened. He brought from death to life your spirit. Who were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past, before you got born again, You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, okay? That's the dysfunctional family we all came from. We need to be born again into the new family, God's family, among whom also we all, everybody say all, we all had our conversation, our citizenship, our membership with that family at one point. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. Everybody say nature. See that nature on the inside of a sinner. Part of the reason the church has a hard time evangelizing the losses they expect him to be saved. You cannot condemn a sinner. You can only offer them an alternative. How do I put that? You cannot come to a sinner and tell, this is the law. The law came and told them, stop it, stop it, stop it. And they'd wrap their knuckles, metaphorically speaking. That's not the church's job today. Okay, not all of it. The church's job today is to offer the world you can have life, you can be free. Christ has set you free from sin. All right. We were all by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Everybody say grace. Grace, Grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, is it talking literally? No, it's talking spiritually. It's talking in positional truth because Christ sits on the right hand of God. Every one of us who are in Christ sit together with him because he is our brother and he is our co-heir. Didn't he say the Holy Spirit will come and show you everything that is mine? God has given me everything and everything that he has is mine and he will come and show it to you. Well, that's how you're sitting there. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now look at this, for we are his workmanship. That's the first part. But the second part is this, created in Christ Jesus unto, everybody say unto, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In James it says, how can a sweet well bring forth sweet water and bitter water at the same time? See, you're either born again and you're supposed to be bearing born again fruit, or you are not born again and you're bringing forth corrupt fruit. But don't be one of these lukewarm guys that sits with Christ but keeps bearing fruit that's not of Christ, all right? At some point, I don't know where it is, God is judge, but at some point, somebody that claims Christ but doesn't live for Christ, with Christ, in Christ, they end up leaving Christ, okay? Paul warns against that in, in very many letters, okay? So we don't want to be one of those, <clears throat> Wherefore remember that it ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, or the Jews, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you are sometimes, who are far off, are made nigh. By the blood of Christ. He is our peace. Everybody say amen to that. See, and we are, I'm going to transition a little bit. You know, remember when Jesus said the kingdom of God? Where did he say it was? It's in us. It's in us. He says, you're not going to, nobody's going to be able to say, oh, here comes the kingdom of God over here. Oh, here comes the kingdom of God over here. The kingdom of God is within you. And see, the very first work that was done is that you got born again. And that moment you got born again, you received the gen- spiritual genes. That's the way I call it. I don't know how else to say it. You got the spiritual genes of your father, God. You're not garbage. I hate it when I hear leaders in the church call their, call their church, you know, we're just garbage in your eyes. We're just worms in your sight. I've heard them say it. I don't think that they've read the New Testament. Because if I'm God's child, you know, if somebody comes and tells my son that he's garbage, by association, they're saying that I'm garbage because <laughs> that's my son. All right. We have this mentality, this cowering, this false humility that God is not intending for us. We are His children. And He's given us what on the inside, He's given us those spiritual genes. And it's because of what Jesus did that when you receive Christ, because of what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit is able to take a seat on the inside of you. And he's able to teach you and lead you and guide you. Before, he had nothing to cooperate with. How God cooperated with the Old Testament saints, one of the pictures in the Old Testament is a mantle. A mantle is something that is seated on the outside, that can be given that leaves, that comes and goes. In the New Testament, we don't have mantles. We have an indwelling spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, he would drop on a prophet, give them a word, but he could not fellowship with them past what they would say. Everything was external in the Old Testament. The whole picture, the whole picture of the uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the, the um, uh, it's escaping me, the the you know, the tents, the inner court, and the outer court, that was all a picture of you. Do you know that? And only the high priest could go into the holiest of holies, and he had to have blood, right? And that was signifying, that was, in Hebrews it says, in the Old Testament, that one high priest could only go in once a year with blood, and he says it signified to them that the way into there wasn't ready yet because Jesus hadn't came yet but when he came, you know that timing that the veil was torn and split. The Holy Ghost wasn't going to reside in that physical place, in that physical box. He is on the inside of you. And that very same power that when they put their toe in the Jordan, it stopped. That very same power that wherever it was taken, it would knock down idols. It would bring down walls. When God went before them, their natural enemy shook. And that same Holy Ghost, when you got born again, the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He has come to be, he is the gift of God. In all of the wording of the New Testament, he's that gift of God and he dwells on the inside. Everybody say on the inside. One of the things that the, the, um, the Holy Spirit's been showing me and it's almost like I'm hearing it for the first time and I hope I don't say say it in such a way that it sounds like something you've heard because it's so new and fresh to me is that do you know and this is what he told me he says most Christians they spend a lot of their time running around the world running around in their life looking to the outside for leadership looking to the outside for direction, going to this man's meeting and going to this conference and going to this and to that and listening and looking for leadership. They take aptitude tests, they go to schools, they look for people that can tell them what to do and they run their life that way. Always in the outside, always in the outside. This is how he was saying it. They're always looking to the outside and I gave them the Holy Ghost right here i gave him the new birth right here and he said this to me and it just shook me he says he said most people are always going around trying to figure their life out on the outside and they never get it settled the voice of god on the inside they never get it settled right here right in here Ever, can you put your hand on your own heart right in here or put your hand on your own mind right there There is a whole realm, area, arena of victory that comes in here. And it starts here. And we keep looking for the victory and the change to happen out there. That's not how things change. The kingdom of God is within you. Everybody say, within me. I used to think that Jesus must have felt alone sometimes, you know, being that even his disciples Couldn't quite track with him all the time. And some of the things he'd ask him to do. But the Holy Spirit told me the other day, he said, you know, Jesus was not alone. He says he had the Holy Ghost. And he fellowshiped with him all the time. And see, we keep looking for some move out there, waiting, watching. And where it begins is on the inside of your heart right now. And this so thrills me it really does because in your flesh and with you know we're supposed to be led by faith and not by sight amen we keep looking for something to happen that we want to get on board with the something that's going to happen is going to it's going to well up in here it is that well of living water everybody with me see it is the first work was you got born again and you have that tree bearing fruit love joy peace the holy spirit was able to baptize and say i can i can sit on the inside of men now and i can bring them wisdom and direction and counsel and doesn't it say you shall receive what else power god didn't give the holy ghost tongues for just tongue's sake It's not just a pride badge. I can speak with tongues. Tongues was meant to bring edification, exhortation, comfort. And it was supposed to bring you to a place of transformation because what the Holy Ghost has come to do, he says, I, okay, we're gonna read this verse and I'm gonna try not to get ahead of myself too much because I'm not gonna be able to fit that. It's gonna be more. Everybody say more. (laughs) We're gonna have more to this. Um, Let me look up the key word. I hear the key word, but I got to, Witnesses. <clears throat> hmm. Yes. Go to Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> and this is Jesus giving direction to those that waited on him. I'll start in verse 4. Acts 1 4 and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. Now, in a figure, that word wait, it's something that we all need to do. Something every Christian needs to do. Before you go running off on a dozen mission trips and find out they're not gone. Before you go... And this is a thought that I had earlier in the message. Before you go running off and fail spectacularly <laughs> trying to do God's will without knowing his will. And, and this is what I don't like is is the people that don't ever learn from their mistakes. They make terrible decisions. They put their family and sacrifice their family and their life and their time. And not for a bad cause. They, they have a heart to do the will of God. But they just get eaten alive by the devil. And they find, try and find some way that God was teaching him something. Well, you can learn from your mistakes, but don't put it on God that that was his will. Don't, yeah, okay, i I'm, I'm just got to stop right there. <laughs> Verse four, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence <laughs> and when they were therefore come together they asked of him saying lord wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to israel and he said unto them it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the father hath put in his own power but you but you shall receive power after that the holy ghost is come upon you. Why do we need power? Look at this. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost. Everybody say uttermost. Uttermost parts of the earth. Now there's this prevailing idea in theology that that's Power has passed away, the Holy Ghost has passed away. These things are not for today. Uh, and, and why I harp on this is because, you know, I want the church to be in unity. I really do. But when we can't agree about what the Holy Ghost is here to do, I can't be in unity with you to some degree. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? All right? I will, op- I will cooperate with the churches of Marshalltown and any church that can cooperate towards something that God has inspired as far as I can but if the Holy Ghost has stopped at a certain degree, I cannot walk with you anymore, all right? And, And I'm not saying that we've arrived. There's much more we don't know. There's much more power, I believe, that God wants to unleash through this church that has not been unleashed. We're growing, amen, okay? Everybody's in the process of trying to get on the same page with God. God is in that reality and he's never left. He is that reality. And we're all trying to get there. We're all trying to be on that same page so we can do what the works he's called us to do. But look at this. Look, if Jesus had ever intended for those works to end with the 12, which doesn't jive with any other scripture, okay, or just for a season. Let's just say, let's say you're, you're, you're more liberal in your beliefs. Well, it was just for a season. It was for like 150 years to, to give authority to the scriptures. How on the earth Why in the world (laughs) would Jesus say, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. Well, that's where they were at that time. And most of the apostles, that's where they bore witness was Jerusalem. Some of them went to other places, okay? Judea, Samaria, but the uttermost parts of the earth, do you think they made it? Or do you think that's us? That's me. That's you. If the Holy Ghost has come to empower us to be a witness in the uttermost parts of the earth, then it is still a present day word for you and me. And it's on the inside. Everybody say inside. That is on the inside of you right now. How do I put that in such a way? Okay, when I was young, one of the things that I wanted to do was go on a mission trip, you know. I thought if I could change scenery, get a taste of the outside world, see the world, you know. Go on a mission trip, that's where God's at. That's where God's at, it's out there, you know. Come back and you would have testimonies of crazy things happening, people getting healed. That's where God's at, it's out there. And I always remember my dad saying, he says, you know, God's will, primary will, is not geographical. He say it's not geographical. It's not where you're at. It's who you are. That's God's primary will. Because if God can put in order who you are, you can be about God's will wherever you are. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't call you to specific areas. But the primary part of God's will in your life is not where you're geographically located. This is why people hop from church to church, but they never change. They never grow because you can hop here and there and go and see and do and whatever, but if you don't grow on the inside, you carry those same strongholds everywhere you go. You carry those same offenses and those same things that run into you wherever you go. And When I was younger, the will of God to me meant adventure and go be someplace. The trip that he is wanting to send you on and this is for me and for every single person here and i think we're going to do more messages on this cuz i just i just started to bridge over into this message the trip that he's wanting to send every single person on is not a geographic trip although there will be those amen it's going to be a heart trip it's going to be his voice he wants this is this is him he wants You to know the difference between your own voice and his voice so clearly that it doesn't matter what kind of storm you get sent into, you know exactly what he's telling you. And how can you go, but you don't know his voice? How can you run off and hope for the best, but you've never really settled inside of you? His voice, his leadership the foundation stone, the biggest building block that you can set in your life is to make sure you have that relationship with God, to make sure you know his voice so clearly. See, there's, see. for me to hear God's voice, I gotta come here and I sit here on this floor and I leave, this, I leave a pillow here and I, people have to pick up after me. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I have to come here where it's quiet so I have to leave my house because it's so loud with the kids, you know. I have, I have soundproof headphones when I'm at home, so I can, I have to come here. There's going to come a day where I don't have to come here to hear God's voice. I can be in the middle of the busiest intersection, surrounded by people and loud noises, and I can discern his voice. But if you can't wield that kind of discernment with, in your quietest times after eight hours of prayer, how... There has to come a refining and a practice and a knowing and a trust that once you have that, then it's the time to go. Wait first. Because the journey he's wanting to send each and every one of us on is one that gets his voice solid pat in your life. Solid. That has to be so solid in us. And I see it so clearly now. That has to be so solid. And there were so many times when I've been here in these last eight years that I've wanted to chase down little rabbit trails and experiment with something new. But the best journey that you can go on and start on right now is make sure you can discern his voice so clearly because the kingdom of God is already inside of you. Oh, when you get a grasp of that, that he's sitting there right now waiting to do. One of the visions I had the other day, I'll end with this, I promise. (laughs) One of the visions I had the other day, when he was sharing this with me, I, he, it's like I zoomed way out and I saw the biggest body of water I had ever seen. But it was, it was, a, it was dammed up like this. And it kept zooming out and zooming out. And, and as I zoomed out, I zoomed out of me and I was sitting there on the floor and I was looking at my own face. And, and the Holy Spirit started to show me, he says, the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit resides with you in your spirit. That's what baptism is. When you baptize something, you're saturated in it. And the Holy Ghost, he is all of God on the inside of you right now. And he said, all of that water is me. And it is dammed up right there on the inside of you, looking for that tiniest little crack to break through and water your soul and water your life. And I saw all of, all of God was resident on the, not me, I'm not, okay, I'm not trying to make myself divine or anything like that, but I saw all of who the Holy Spirit was was resident on the inside of me, trying to communicate with me. And it was being blocked up because we are conformed to this world, not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But as you spend time What did Paul tell you to do? Let the word of God dwell in you richly, full of grace and peace and love. The Holy Ghost can flow really easily with those things. Amen. And pray in the Holy Ghost. Edify yourself. Amen. Are you encouraged? I don't know about you. I'm encouraged. I know what he's got for us. And I'm so excited. I have always known that the Holy Ghost was in there. I feel like now I know he's in there. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. One thing's theory, another's reality. You can read about it in a book, but you sit behind the car, you you know. Amen, all right. Well, Father, I just thank you right now that you would translate this message for every single person here, that you would give it legs that they can run with. Father, I thank you that you open up and pour into every single person what they need to hear from this message. And I thank you for giving them grace and strength. Hmm. Father, I thank you for giving them their own visions, giving them their own communications, that there would be those times where they would trust you enough to wander into those new places. Like you told Abraham, I will show you a country that you've not yet seen. I pray, Father, that you would cultivate and build trust in people and in myself here. That we would have enough trust to wander away from everything we've known, to, to believe and trust you for something that we've never seen before. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We're going to have that at the church, at this church. We're going to go to a country that we've not yet seen. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, be blessed. Have a good week. You are dismissed.